Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. intended on it being just a, a week sermon, uh, but I feel like we needed to continue. For one, I didn't get finished, and I may not get finished today on it. I want to try to let you out at a, at a good time. Um, but we were, we're talking about faith, and, and, and this is something that uh, if you've been here for any length of time, you've probably heard this message before. Of course, um, you know, a lot of times when the Lord has me, directs me to do something again, um, there's, there's always new stuff that comes out of it. But I think like anything else in your life that, that you need a steady diet of, we always talk about a steady diet of something um, in our actual eating, uh, but how many of you know that, that the, um, the Word of God over and over talks about, uh, you know, people that wrote in the Bible talked about finding the Word and eating them, right? And so the Word is something to be digested. The Word is something not to just be, uh, not to just look at, but it's actually something to interact with and, and, and bring it into your life. And so along with that, I feel like, uh, that uh, the message of faith is something that uh, we need to have a, a steady diet of. And especially in today's world, in today's society, um, I've seen somebody here lately, and you know, I, I know they, they think that they're, uh, they're being on the, on the um, I guess, the, the good side of, of making sure that everything is just strictly biblical, and I want everything to be strictly biblical. Uh, but you ever seen somebody that they, 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 uh, they say something uh, because they said they, they'll say something about it not being taught in the Bible, and it's 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 hilarious because you look at it and you go, apparently they had they, before they posted that they didn't read their Bible because it's in the Bible. And I saw somebody recently say uh, that um, you know you you can't uh, it's not biblical to call things out of heaven into earth, and that that's not in the Bible. And that's crazy to me. Because the Bible said where two should agree is touching anything. They have what they say they have. It says if you uh, bind things on earth, they'll be bound in heaven. If you loose things on earth, they'll be loose in heaven. That sounds kind of like you can access the things of heaven. And furthermore, if you couldn't access the things of heaven and call the things from heaven onto earth, where did you get your salvation from? Did it come from Walmart? Huh? No, you called it out of heaven, right? How did you call your salvation out of heaven? You called it because you believed in your heart and who Jesus Christ is, and you spoke it with your mouth, and the Bible says that you had salvation at that moment, right? Where did it come from? Did it come out of thin air? No, it came out of heaven because God stepped out of heaven into this world, and he died on a cross for you, amen? You gotta be careful today because if not, what'll happen is people will use their intellectual mind to try to interact with a spiritual God. Can I say that again? They'll try to use their intellectual mind to interact with a spiritual God. And I'm not telling you to check your heads at the door or anything like that, but I'm also saying if you're going to believe a lot of the things in the Word of God, they don't make sense to our intellectual mind. Peter walking on the water does not make sense in our intellectual mind. You know where it makes sense at? It makes sense in our preschool, in our Sunday school. Why? Because they have, you ever heard of childlike faith? You tell a child that Peter walked on the water because he asked Jesus if he could, and he went out there, and the kid goes, awesome. You, that's great. That's, that's cool. But you tell an adult that's never heard that, and they go, wait a minute. That defies logic, right? 
You go through a lot of the things of the Bible and it defies logic. Why? Because our God is not just an intellectual God. He is a spirit. Amen? Oh, I thought I'd get a better amen than that. But I'll, I'll, I'll move on. Because if you're going to strictly come at God intellectually, then faith, you're going to have a hard time with faith. Why? Because faith you don't always understand. Because faith is calling those things that aren't as though they were. That's not intellectually sound, is it? But that's what the Bible says that Abraham did. It was counted to him unto righteousness because he called the dead things lie, alive. He looked at Sarah's deadness of her womb and he looked at the age of his body and he began to call those things that weren't as though they were. Not because he came up with it, because he began to do it because God told him he could. God told him he would be a father of many nations, right? So let's go on. The Bible teaches that what we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we can have. This is what the Bible calls faith. And faith... In reverse, can anybody tell me what faith in reverse is? It's doubt. Faith in reverse is doubt. See, we're a whole lot more, um, you don't realize it, but, but we're a whole lot more trained in doubt than we are in faith a lot of times. A doubt comes in your heart, you grab hold of it without even thinking. You believe it. And then you begin to do what? Speak it. No questions asked. No questions asked. Why? Well, a doubt is just as much as a, of a feeling than the Word of God is, right? Where did the doubt come from? You gathered information from the world around you. You gathered information maybe from your own body. You gathered information from somebody else. Somebody told you that it, it's possible that it could happen. You've watched other people. It happened to them that way. And then all of a sudden, a doubt got planted in your heart, and you doubt it. You, 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 you felt it. You heard it. You sensed it. You grabbed a hold of it. You believed it. And then you began to speak it. And a lot of times, those things will happen to us. And you say, see there, I knew it would happen. Well, what's the difference in that and me saying that the Word of God says A, B, or C? And you going, I believe that. I receive that to the point where I'm going to speak that, and I can have that. Amen? What's the difference? The difference is, is we're a whole lot more educated and we're a whole lot more versed in the departments of doubt sometimes than we are in the departments of faith. Come on now. That's why we've got to begin to renew our mind with what? The Word of God. Is the Word of God full of doubt or is it full of hope and faith? It's full of hope and faith. It's not full of doubt. The kingdom of God has no doubt in it. Do you think God ever wakes up and doubts anything? You think God ever wakes up in heaven and, well, first of all, he never wakes up. The Bible says he neither sleeps nor slumbers. Does he ever stand in heaven and go, well, I doubt that's going to happen? No. There's no doubt. There's no fear. There's none, there's none of that in the kingdom of God. There's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. Why? Because the Bible says God is love. But... Faith, is, uh, faith in, in reverse is doubt. God created us and all that we see by what he said. And he also created us in his image. And we have this creative power that causes the things we dwell on to become a belief 
that eventually starts coming out of our mouths that leads to materializing in our life. Now listen to me very, very closely because some people have taken this principle of the Bible and they've tried to bring it over into a place of some kind of sorcery. They've tried to bring it over into a place of some kind of Eastern mysticism and different things like that. Why? Because it doesn't line up with our intellect. But if we don't believe this, then we're going to have a hard time believing and walking in the salvation that Jesus has offered us through his blood. Why would I say that? Because it takes absolute 100% faith to believe. Come on now, stick with me. That God, that the Holy Spirit moved on a virgin girl 2,000 years ago. She became pregnant with God birthed him, at 30 years old, began a ministry that lasted three years, died on a cross, on the third day resurrected, and then he went around to all of his disciples and then finally ascended into heaven, and he said, if you'll believe on me and you'll confess me as your Lord, then you shall be saved. You shall live an everlasting life. That is a very far-fetched idea to our intellect. Is it not? Am I the only one? You say, you sound like you're being blasphemous. No, I I have to think about these things. The reason why is because I want to be firm in the foundations of what I believe. But you have droves and droves and droves, especially Southern people, Southern American people that will believe that. But then when it comes to anything else that the Bible says that we can have about faith, they go, "I I doubt that. I just don't know about that. If God wanted me to have it, he would just give it to me. And if he didn't give it to me, then I guess he don't want me to have it. That does not hold water. How many know the Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish? You know, that's the, that's the scripture, right? So why, if God's saying, I have not, I'm not willing that any should perish, that means that God wants every single person to receive Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, and be saved. Would you agree with that? Do you think there's one person on the face of the earth that ever has been or will be that God says, no, I don't want to take him. I don't want him. I don't want them. No, because if that was the the case, then he'd be a respecter of persons. And the Bible said he's no respecter of persons. If anybody, if anyone shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved, right? We believe that because it's been taught and it's been taught and it's been taught and it's been taught and it should be taught. But when it comes to anything else concerning the Word of God or the Bible, you can have healing, you can have prosperity, you can have this, you can have that. Well, I just doubt it. If the Lord wanted me to have it, He'd just give it to me. Well, the Lord wanted you to have salvation and you didn't receive it until you did it by faith. Come on. We have what we say we have. So I asked this question last week, what are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? Most of us are saying some good things, but most of us also have some bad habits of saying the wrong things. I'll raise my hand too. Why? Because most of the time we say how we feel, not what we're standing in faith for. Because most of the time we don't have an idea of what we're standing in faith for until we have a bad feeling. You tracking with me? So if everything's good, we're not standing in faith. We're just hoping that everything's going to work out, right? And when things start not working out, then we start wanting to figure out 
why things aren't working out. And if we have the one theology that says, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it. If he don't want me to have it, it won't happen. Then you know what? Just anything and everything is going to happen. But if we'll say, no, I'm going to stand in faith for what God says is mine. Then I'm going to get into the word of God. I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to replace all my doubts and fears and worries and anxieties with the hope and the faith that is in the word of God through Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be an awesome concept? Well, some of y'all wouldn't have nothing to talk about because all you want to talk about is all the wrong stuff that's going on. It'd change your whole personality. People wouldn't even know how to approach you because you don't have anything bad to say anymore. People wouldn't even know who you are. They said, what happened to so-and-so? You know, every time I used to get around them, all they wanted to do was gossip and complain about how this hurts and that hurts and this person did me wrong and that person did me wrong. But now, every time I get around them, all they want to talk about is hope and all they want to talk about is faith and all they want to talk about is joy. I don't, know, I don't even know if I know this person anymore. Some of you wouldn't even know how to act if you didn't know how to complain. I always know when I'm preaching good because I'm looking out there and some of y'all's faces are going... Don't worry, I'm not preaching just at you, I'm preaching at me too. But, but, but what if you got in conversations and all of a sudden, not, not in a, not in a uh, um, um, you know, holier-than-thou way, but what if you got in conversations and people started going, i just tell you what, this job is just blah, blah. You know what, this job is a blessing. You know, there's a lot of people that don't have jobs right now, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to just be ugly to you, but, you know, I'm thankful for our Bob. Well, that old so-and-so, yeah, I'm thankful. You know, if it wasn't for him sticking his neck out in today's age and today's uh, financial situation and, and putting everything on the line, you know, we wouldn't even have this, this, this job to complain about. You know, I just tell you what, I mean, I, I wish my husband would do this better. I wish my wife would do that better. You know, there's a lot of people out there that just wish their husband or their wife would have stayed home and not gone somewhere else, you know what I mean? So what if he doesn't load the dishwasher right? So what if she didn't wash your clothes on time? Do they love you? Are they for you and not against you? You might want to start praising them instead of always looking for opportunities to complain about them. I didn't plan on preaching on this, so y'all must need this message. What if you trained yourself? What if you renewed your mind to not think that everything that could go wrong is going to go wrong for me because it's me? What if we trained ourselves to, to get out of the mindset of, oh, that's just my luck? What if we trained ourselves to go, you know what, that, that by faith, I tell you what, this, this in my life right here, it, it, it may not look good for me right now, but the Bible says uh, that I can call those things that aren't as though they were. The Bible says that I can look at something and I can begin to believe that, that the, the things that happen in my life, that to those who love God, all things work together for my good. And you know what I love? I've had to say that so many times. I've looked at situations. I'm not saying it because I feel it. I feel like going, man, this is, this is terrible. This stinks. I hate this. I just hate this. I remember there was something going on, and I just looked at my office and said, I don't deserve this. This is crazy. Well, that wasn't faith. That was complaining. I've had to look at stuff and go, you know what? This right here is, is, is not is not what needs to be going on in my life. So I'm looking at this right here and I'm saying, you know what, I love God. I may not be perfect, but I, how many of you love God? 
How many of you are perfect? There you go, get it down real quick. The Bible doesn't say all that are perfect, everything's going to work out perfect for you. It says, to those who love God, all things work together for your good. So you can be in situations, but it's really up to you to determine how the outcome actually happens. Come on. Now, I'm going to tell a a little story, just a, a hypothetical. Well, I won't. I'll tell it. It's real. It's not hypothetical. Do you think that, that any kind of divorce is good? Now, I know there's been people who have divorced. It's not. Do you think it's God's will? I don't think it's God's will. Well, my parents got divorced back when, we, when I was a kid, when I was probably four years old, something like that. And, you know, I spent a lot of time as a kid just wanting my dad to do right, just wanting my dad to be in my life, just wanting for one day, one day he's going to, He's going to, you know, wake up and realize how much he's, he's missed out on life and just, just begin to do, do right. Just do right. Just, just be a dad. Just be a grandpa. You know, whatever. And, you know, it hadn't been too awful long ago because I, I've, I've forgiven him and I've moved on and all those things. But also at the same time, I, I've had to deal with that, you know, because people who don't do right, when they realize they don't do right, most of the time, those type of people don't change their ways. They just they hit you with that manipulation. Like they want you to have some fault in that. And so I had to kind of deal with that as a kid and different things like that. But, but I truly have forgiven him. But at the same time, I've got my life and I've got what I feel like God's called me to do. And, um, you know, and, and, and if he wants to be a part of our life, I'm open to that. But at the same time, I always know how that story is going to end up every single time. So to me, it's the ball's in your court. I'm going to live my life. I got wife, I got kids. And uh, we're going to live our life, and you want to be a part of what's going on, come be a part of what's going on, but, but, but you know, that, that, that's just kind of the, the mentality that I've taken. I'm not angry, I'm not mad. But the Lord showed me something about all things work together for the good of those who love me. And I got to think about how much I love God. And I remember as a kid... Even when I wasn't really being taken to church or anything like that, I remember there was times, and, and, and the Holy Spirit had to remind me of this. I, I, I was little. I'm, I mean, I might have been six, seven years old, eight years old. And I was out at my grandfather's place. He had about 80 acres. There was 20 of it, pasture across the road. And I loved hanging out on that property. And, and I loved my years being there and, and everything. But I remember there would be times where I would be by myself. Now, I didn't grow up a singer or anything like that. Matter of fact, when I would sing sometimes and, and my mom or different people, hey, that's, that's beautiful, babe. That, yeah, you know. But I remember as a kid in those quiet moments, those quiet times where no, none of my friends were around or my cousins or anything like that. And I'm just by myself and I'm out in the pasture. I remember making up songs and just, the only thing I really remember is just saying, saying how much I love you. I love you, God. I love you, God. I didn't know a scripture. Didn't know one scripture. But there were times where, and, and the Holy Spirit was reminding me of that. He was reminding me of how much, how much you love me. And how all things work together for the good of those who love God. Now, I don't believe it was the will of God for, uh, for my parents to divorce. I don't believe it was the will of God for all the stuff that went on. I don't, I don't believe any of that. I don't believe any of that was the will of God. I don't think God was, was making all that stuff happen. I believe 
sin was making that stuff happen and people's wills were making that stuff happen and there were things so far out of my, uh, out of my control and let me add something to it, so far out of God's control when it comes to people. How many of you know you've got the freedom of will? If God can't even make you, then what makes you think you can make him or you can make her? But all things can work together for your good even while people are making decisions that don't look beneficiary to you. And so the Lord was reminding me, and, and, and I love my dad. And my dad, he's very smart. Very smart guy. But at the same time, he is a very influential guy. When he talks, people listen. And he's very assertive, and he's very opinionated. And any time I've ever been around him as a kid, I could be thinking one way. But by the time I got done with him, he had me thinking a different way. And the Lord reminded me, he said, you know, he said, you've, you've spent so much time dwelling on what could have been if everybody had done right. And he said, but one thing you're not thinking about is had your dad been 100% involved in your life, how much influence would he have had over the, the direction of your life? And I got to thinking about when I knew I was called to at least go to Bible school, if not the ministry, but I was supposed to at least go to Bible school. He had always told me when I got ready to go to school, he'd pay for it. Well, I got ready to go to school and I was supposed to go to Bible school. I know the Lord told me I was supposed to go to Bible school. So I said, hey, I want to go to Bible school. He didn't have anything to say. I said, well, you're going to be able to pay for it, right? He said, I'm not paying for that. He said, you want to go to real school, I'll pay for that. But I'm not paying for that. Get down there and, and, and get done messing around. Then I'll talk to you about school. Well, I knew the Lord had told me to do it. And because there was a detachment from his opinions, God could speak to me louder than the opinions of someone who had no idea what the call of God on my life was. Amen? Now, this is particular to me. So don't go around saying mom and dad don't know what's best for me because if you've got godly parents that have prayed for you and prayed for the will of God for your life, you need to listen to them. But in my particular situation, all things work together for my good, not because of the decisions that everybody else made, but because I chose to love God. Amen? How different would my life have been if everything my dad, because like I said, he's very strong, he's very opinionated, he's very smart. I may not be standing here doing what I'm doing today. But God knew what I was supposed to do. And he was able to do the things in my life even through the mistakes of other people. Amen? I want you to remember that. 
when you're going through stuff. Now that, like I said, that's a particular in my life. You, you might have something else going. And it's not that God caused that. It's not that God created that issue or that problem or that setback or, or that, you know, we, we always say stuff like we got dealt a bad hand. You know, it's, God didn't deal you the bad hand. Life can deal you a bad hand, whether it's right from the beginning or sometime later in life. But it's what you do with that afterwards. Are you going to believe in the doubt and the fear that comes with that bad hand that you said you've been dealt? Or are you going to stop and you're going to say, you know what? The Word of God says that all things work together for the good of those who love God. I know I love God, and it may not have been a perfect situation, but if I'll just keep loving God, and I'll just keep my ear to His, uh, to his mouth, then I'm going to be all right. It doesn't matter about the sickness that's in my body. He says I can have healing, and I'm going I'm to go through this, and, and, and I'm just going to continue to believe. I'm not going to doubt in the things that are, are causing me to fear and cause me to doubt. I'm not going to doubt in this, in this bad financial decision that, that, that's got us into this place. I'm not going to doubt and fear because I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. or I'm not going to doubt and fear because I'm, I may be too young for this deal. If you love God, all things are going to work together for your good. It doesn't matter who said what about you. It doesn't matter what you actually did in your past. You can stop right now and say, you know what? I don't know that I have loved God over the years. And maybe that's why things just seem to almost line up and then they don't line up. You can start right now and say, God, I love you. I may not be perfect, but I love you. And I'm ready to listen and I'm ready to go and I'm ready to be led by you. Led by your word. I want to speak your word. I want to say what you say. I didn't do it all right. I, again, I was 19 years old. But I remember when anybody would bring any kind of doubt to what I knew what God told me to do, I knew that I knew. And the reason why I knew was not because I came up with a good idea, is because I was spending time praying. Yes, I was 19 years old, and I had not always spent time praying. Matter of fact, I'd spent time doing other things. But when God gets a hold of your heart, I wanted to know more about what he had for my life. I wanted to know more. I still want to know more. I still want to spend time with him. Because the goal for me in my life is not a nice little house and a couple of cars and a couple of kids and, 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 and I would say a dog, but now we got three dogs. That's not, that's not the ultimate goal for me. I love it. It's nice. It's awesome. But if that's all you're trying to achieve, then that's all you'll ever have. But if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he knows you want the house. He knows you want the nice cars. He knows you want the, the however many kids you desire and all that stuff. But if you'll seek after his kingdom first and you'll say, God, I love you. I love your plan for my life. I love what you want to do in my life. Then he'll cause those things to follow after you. And every single thing that you put your hand to will be blessed. And every single thing that you go and you do in his name will be blessed. And everything will work out for your good because you do what? You love God. But when you love yourself, and that's big talk these days, self-love, love yourself, self-care. I'm not against taking care of yourself. But when we exalt ourselves and we exalt our own plans, our own ideas, and we never consult God, we just want God to sign off on them. We find ourselves, maybe you can be successful, maybe you're smart enough to be successful. But you can be a success in the world and be a failure in your heart. Amen? But you can not look like a success to other people because everybody's got their idea of what a success is. 
but you can know on the inside of you that you're hitting the target. Amen? I'm right where I'm supposed to be, doing right what I need to be doing. And it's not because I sought myself first. It's not because I sought some kind of American dream first. It's because I sought God first. 19 years old, I'm mowing at a golf course. And um, I just started praying. I just started praying in the Holy Spirit. And the more I prayed, the more I felt like God was showing me. And then ultimately, I felt like I was being led to go to Bible school. I didn't even know what that meant. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd heard people talk about Bible college just a few months before. And before that, I didn't know there was such. I don't really even know. I didn't know how they, I didn't know how they got pastors. I didn't know how that worked. But I didn't even know I was supposed to be a pastor or anything. But I know I was supposed to go to Bible college. And you know, I didn't really get a good response. <laughs> Everybody thought I was wasting my time. Not only that, you know, I was pretty involved with my girlfriend, who's my wife now, praise God. And I was going to have to move six hours away for nine months. And you know, long distance relationships just don't work, right? That's what they say. And so there was a lot of stuff that was, that was coming again. But I knew, and you can ask Christy, I, was, I don't think I'd ever been that focused in my whole entire life. Because up to that point, I was pretty easy going. I could tell somebody this idea or this dream that I had, and they could shoot me down. I'd go, yeah, you're right. That was stupid. But I had everybody in the world shooting this one down. And I went, nope. I don't care if you support me or you don't support me. I'm going. I know this is what I've got to do. I don't know why, but I just know. Well, that was a calling of God. And just because you're not a preacher or anything like that doesn't mean that there's not the same strong calling of God on your life to do what you're supposed to do, to be where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to and, and your occupation may not change at all. You know, God is not always concerned about the occupation. He's concerned about the heart behind the occupation. Amen? Is this okay? Let's find a good landing spot. Um, Psalm 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, the mind, will, and the emotions. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you should observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. And then Colossians 3.16 and 17 say this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God uh, the Father through him. And I want you to, just in my closing here, I want you to do a few things. Ask yourself these, these questions. 
when you begin to do, like, what am I thinking on? Because whatever you're thinking on is eventually what you're going to be speaking. And whatever you're thinking on, you're believing, and then you're speaking. Going back to our original thoughts. So in closing, ask yourself these questions. Number one, what have I been thinking on? Be honest with yourself. What have I been thinking? And I'm not talking about, well, this morning I thought, should I have milk or orange juice? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the thing that occupies space in your mind. What are you dwelling on? What are you thinking on? Not necessarily a hobby or anything like that, but I'm talking about that thing that you are dwelling on, that thing that you're thinking on. What are you thinking? Number two, where are those thoughts coming from? Are they coming from the Word? Are they coming from a place of doubt and fear and unbelief? Where are those thoughts coming from? Pinpoint them. Number three, What's going to be your first step to eradicating those thoughts if they're not from the Word of God? What's going to be your first step? You see, because you can have a fear about something, or you can have a direction in your life, and you can, you can know. I've actually heard people say this. Well, I know it's not right, but... I mean, at least keep that to yourself. You're just admitting you're not real bright. I know it ain't right, but... But What? You know it ain't right, but you just like it. It makes you feel like somebody. What I know it ain't right, but but change. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're not supposed to allow those things to hang around. You're supposed to eradicate those things with the Word of God. So figure out what those things are. And, and find out your first steps. So practically, how do you take your first steps to what I would say is mind renewal? Pinpoint the problem areas, get in prayer, and write them down in a notebook. I think a lot about, and just put it down, there's sickness, poverty, perversion, offense, everyone else's business. Number two, what can I eliminate in my life that feeds those thoughts? Because there's a source that's feeding that. What can I do to... Stop the flow of those things. Number three, what does the word say that combats those thoughts? So if I've got those thoughts going on about fear or about poverty or uh, you know, about sickness or about those things, what does the word of God say about those things? What can I replace that flow of information from the Bible with? And number four, how will I start renewing my mind with the word? And I'll just tell you. Confess the word in the morning, confess it at noon, confess it at nighttime. If there's something, I, I have a, a, a book of confessions that I do, and I just do them every day, pretty much. I mean, I might miss a day here or there, but I pretty well do them every day. But, but a lot of times, if there's something specific going on, I'll stop on that specific thing, and I'll quote the word over my life. And when I get to dwelling on it during the day, I'll stop, and I'll quote the word over my life. You know, I, um, I'll just close with this. That's how I got, I got free from not walking in love. And I'm not saying that you get free from it one time and you're not going to have to deal with it again. But once you figure out how to get free from something, you're a whole lot quicker at it over and over, right? Anybody ever had a dog that stayed in the pen and then one day they got out? What happened? You put them in, you thought you got them in there good, and they were right back out. Why? Because they figured out that they could get free. A lot of times that the devil can convince you that this gate is locked, that you're in a pen with this fear or with this thought or with this, that, or the other, 
and you can't get out, if you all of, all of a sudden one day figure out how to get out, then it's a whole lot easier to get out if you find yourself back in that pen again. And I would get, I would get locked in a pen of, and I don't know if, that I would say hatred, because I don't think I would ever say I hated anybody, but not walking in love towards somebody that I didn't like. Can I get an amen? How many of you know walking in love, when the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter about walking in love, I would say they almost never that, that, that Paul wrote that because he had people in mind that you liked. It's easy to love people that you like. I think it was probably written primarily for when we are faced with somebody or something or some entity that we do not like. They're causing us grief. Well, I had a pretty bad um, uh, coping mechanism when I didn't like you. And it was called cutting you off completely. Like, I don't like you. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to figure out how not to have you in my life ever again. Well, nowadays, I may have to put boundaries with people, but the door is always open. But I always say, I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to pray for restoration one day. But as far as my heart's concerned, I'm not mad at them. I let them go. But a lot of the times, it's, uh, you know, now if I've done something wrong that's caused that separation, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to ask for forgiveness and apologize. But when I'm sitting in a place where they walked away or they did this or they did that, and I'm not mad at you, but at the same time, um, you know, it's hard for, uh, you know, it's hard for us to be um, in two places at one time. And you're going to a place that I don't agree with, so I'm not going to be in that place. It's, I'm going to stay in the place that I feel like I'm supposed to be. Anyway, this was several years ago when I was dealing with a situation. I'd actually dealt with a couple of different situations. And it, it was a reoccurring theme in my life that when I would run up against somebody that didn't like me or that disagreed with me or that I couldn't get along with, I couldn't figure out how to get along with them, whether it was my fault or their fault or both of our faults, I don't know. But I just cut you off. I'm done with you. I might not ever talk about you to anybody else, but I'm just done with you. And I remember one day it was causing me such misery in my life. And I was right out here, and I probably told this story, but I was right out here and I was, I was power washing this, this uh, driveway. And it's been may, maybe 10, 12 years ago, maybe longer than that. And um, every time I thought I had a handle on it, the devil, and I know it was the devil because I didn't want to think about it, but the devil would bring up all these situations that this person said this and this person did that, and it would just make me mad all over again. Do I have anybody that'll testify and say, you'll just think about what somebody did, and it just makes you mad all over again? And I just get mad all over again. I wasn't done right. And they shouldn't have said that. And the next time they say this, and the next time they say that, I tell you what. And I, I started, and the Lord showed me this uh, years later, but I would start, and this is how the only way I know how to describe it to you. Uh, you know, I can, I can sit down and I can write a sermon for you on Sunday morning that's full of the word and full of hope and full of faith and, 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 and help and encourage you. But that same gifting on the inside of me to be able to do that, the enemy would tap into, and I'd start what I call writing a sermon of hate. And I tell you what, the next time they say, I'm going to say this. And if they say that, I'm going to say that. And I'm going to, boy, I'm going to get them. I'm going to really get them. And when I get done with them, 
they're not going to have two legs to stand on. Because they did me wrong. And I'm going to tell them five different ways how they did me wrong. And I would start dwelling on those things. And I'd start writing that stuff in my heart. And then I'd get convicted and I would start praying in the Holy Spirit. And everything would kind of subside. And I'd start power washing. Next thing I know, hear it all boiled back up again. And I'd pray again and it'd push it back down. And it'd boil back up and I'd, pray, I'd push it back down. Well, you know what? I got tired of that endless loop of misery. Where every time I thought about who did me wrong, of feeling trapped and captured by that person, by, that, by what that person did. And I will tell you this right now, nine times out of 10, that person don't even know what they did. They had forgot about it after, the, after they did it. And you've been tortured by it every single time ever since then. And so this is, this is what I did. I started just quoting the scripture. I just started saying, love is patient, love is kind. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? It's been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And it's not my love, and it's not a, a humanistic love. It's the actual love of God, the actual love of God. And I would say this, I'm sitting there power washing, and if anybody was to have driven by or walked by, they'd have gone, that guy's crazy. Because I'm power washing, and I'm saying, the love of God lives on the inside of me. And if the love of God lives on the inside of me, I'm patient and I'm kind. And if the love of God lives on the inside of me, then I don't take an account for any suffered wrong. And if the love of God lives on the inside of me, and I, the more I quoted that, and the more I said that, and the more I raised my voice and, and, and those thoughts would try to come back and I'd say no 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 I forgive them I love them and here's where the key went I started praying for that person's blessings and not that person's failures now that's a whole lot easier to say than it is to do it's a whole lot easier on a Sunday morning to go well if you want to get rid of your enemies you just pray for blessings on their life you know why because when you're mad at them you don't want to pray for nothing but damnation Right? And my life would be so much better if that person hadn't a blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. I started praying for that person. Not for them, for me. I needed to hear my mouth. Forgive them. I needed to hear my mouth ask for blessing on their life. I needed to hear my mouth say those things. And it was like all of a sudden, I wasn't faking the forgiveness. I was really free from that. I was really free from that. Now you might like it. You might like the feeling of hatred in your heart. You might like the feeling of unforgiveness in your heart. You might like how it makes you feel when you get around somebody who that person's done wrong to and you get to talk about it together. But I don't. Because it brings torment to my life and let me tell you uh, another thing you only think you like it but you don't like it it's weighing you down and you need to make sure it doesn't matter if the person is here gone or the person lives here or doesn't live here doesn't matter if the person is alive or dead you can still be held captive by those things, and the enemy wants nothing more. He wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to rob you of your peace, and he wants to rob you of all things working together for your good. 
That's why he makes you focus on the things that happen to you bad. But if you'll begin to stop focusing on those things and start focusing on how good God has been to you, how God has brought you through that, how God is gonna make all things work together for your good, not because of their bad, but because you love him. And if you love him, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Is that okay? I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.